Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM is a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. Xavier Scruggs joins the show. We also got to talk about Jorge Polanco being a Minnesota twin, Justin Turner being a Toronto Blue Jay, and the top tens start now. Top five utility players uh, at the end of the episode. That'll be the back half with X being the front half. Great conversation with him. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, just baseball show for Wednesday, January 31st. And uh, we're brought to you by MGM, Bet MGM to be more specific, the king of sports books. Have you not used your five to win 158 yet? A lot of you have, but if you haven't yet, get free money in your betting account. It is an absolute no brainer. Bet $5 and Abraham Lincoln on standard odds, minus 110. Don't put down a $10 bet. 
Don't put down a $15 bet, a $5 bet, and you will get $158 loaded into your account per Super Bowl 58. Remember to use code JUSTBASEBALL when you do. Terms and conditions apply. 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Jack, I'm very excited for the Super Bowl. This is not a football podcast, but I do want to shout out myself. Chiefs plus 1,000, 49ers plus 430. I will sit and watch the Super Bowl and make money automatically. Good for me. Props to me. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Do you know yet? Uh, if you're betting against Mahomes, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that was my immediate takeaway too. But like, I also don't want to bet against Christian McCaffrey. Like, He's awesome. Yeah, but he ain't Mahomes. Is Chase Young still a football player? I saw the video of him like taking several plays off. And I just, I wonder like, hey, this guy was really good like a month ago. Is he still really good or no? No, he's not. But I think that's enough of the football talk. Let's get straight to baseball. Let's do it. Um, The Seattle Mariners get their second baseman. They acquire Jorge Polanco for two big leaguers, two minor leaguers. And when we saw that, we're like, oh my gosh. What a package. The big leaguers are Anthony DiSclefani and Justin Topa. The prospects are Darren Bowen and Gabriel Gonzalez. Gabriel Gonzalez is a guy that is on some top 100s, is not on other top 100s, and he has kind of gone through a cycle at just baseball, too. Aram has had him on the top 100. He's probably in the 90 to 110 range in terms of prospects in baseball. Gabby Gonzalez is probably the biggest name going back. DeSclafani helps him out with innings and and he's their seventh starter. Like Minnesota, yeah. they have so many like fours they have and fives. So many Anthony DeSclafanis. Tons. And they just <laughs> added Anthony DeSclafani to a stable of like four other Anthony DeSclafanis. Yeah. In terms of the Seattle Mariners, I love this get. They got a guy who is an underrated hitter that's going to play second base for them every day. And the second base position in Seattle has been a turnstile, right? It's been a bunch of different guys. Most recently, like we're looking at Colton Wong. Then they tried Josh Rojas. They've tried a bunch of different guys. And it just, there hasn't been much impact at the second base position for the Mariners. And now, and it's a big if, right? He's got to stay healthy. Jorge Polanco has not played a full season in what seems like a little while. But the impact is certainly there. The power is certainly there. We saw it in the playoffs. We've seen it in the regular season before. It's just about putting together a healthy season. He's a pretty good defender. Not great, but still good. But it's really about the bat here. And the Mariners got better yesterday when the trade went down. The twin side. I'm sure you have more takeaways on Polanco. No, I was just going to say last two full seasons he's played, he had 22 homers and he hit 295 and then he hit 270 with 35 doubles and 33 homers. Like this guy can hit. And oh yeah, you take the last two years, this guy's played 184 games over the last two years. He played 104 and 22. He played 80 games in 23. He's still got a 770 OPS in that stretch. And he's got 30 homers and 104 driven in, in 184 games. So like he's producing when he's on the field offensively. That's what you're asking for. You're just asking for another bat that can do damage. They got a guy that can do damage. On the Twins side, transitioning for us, they didn't need Jorge Polanco anymore. It's Julian's time to play 162. And this is allowing Edward Julian the opportunity to play 162 games if he's healthy. And when the trade went down and I saw four players, I was like, holy shit, I underrated Jorge Polanco. 
But then you kind of look at the guys headed over, right? Anthony Descalfani, I don't even know if he's going to be a part of their plans this season, right? He's a guy who keeps bouncing around. And when older pitchers get bounced around, the writing is a little bit on the wall there. Um, I'm really excited. Kind of an underrated guy who went back in the deal. I don't know if it's underrated, but I think everybody's talking about the prospect, right? Gabriel Gonzalez. Justin Topa was a great reliever. And I highly recommend checking out the interview on the Marine Layer podcast, the Seattle Mariners podcast on the Just Baseball Network when they had Justin Topa on. Dude is awesome. All you want to do is root for Justin Topa after listening to that great interview. But just on the playing side, 261 ERA last season, dominated, 297 expected. The sinker was disgusting in 69 innings. This is a high leverage reliever that the Twins just got back. And especially after losing Emilio Pagan, yeah. slotting Justin Topa in, I personally would rather have Justin Topa than Emilio Pagan. So you filled that role. You got a prospect with some upside. Descalfani probably won't be anything. But that's mostly the trade here. A high leverage reliever and a fringe top 100 guy for Jorge Polanco. I thought the Twins did very well here. And that's why I consider this trade a win-win. Yeah, the, it, the Mariners are better with Jorge Polanco, but the return, if I'm a Twins fan, I'm happy. I didn't think he would even get a high leverage reliever and a fringe top 100 guy for Jorge Polanco. Yeah, if Disclafani is the five and a half, this makes so much. It still yeah. makes so much sense if Disclafani is nothing. But like, I, I'm with you, man. And we were talking about this bullpen being really good, like top 10 in baseball. Good. Oh, yeah. And they they hold serve here. Yoan Duran, Griffin Jacks, Brock Stewart, Caleb Thielbar, Justin Topa. That's a great assortment of five guys. And for the sake of, you know, playing the game, Pablo Lopez is the one, Joe Ryan is the two, Bailey Ober is the three, Chris Paddock is the four, and then some assortment of Louis Varland and Anthony Disclafani is the five. That can win the division with this lineup. I know they've kind of downscaled their their salary, their payroll, but man, like this team is good enough to win the American League Central. The AL Central, I know you're high on the Tigers. They're not that good. Like th- this division they are kind of good though. But this division but is the, the worst okay. in baseball. No, it's not. I think the National League Central is worse than the American League Central. Oh, I disagree. The Twins, the Guardians, and the Tigers, I think are all going to be in the low to high 80s. I don't know if I can name three teams in the National League Central who will be able to do the same. Really? Name them. The Brewers. I think the Brewers can do it. I think the Cardinals are going to bounce back. I agree. The Reds got better from an 80-win season. Are they going to be 85, 86? They could be. The Cubs could be 85, 86. And the Pirates are no slouch. The, The Cubs are worse, and they didn't get there last year. Here's the thing. Every team in the National League Central, I think, could be flirting with 75 wins this year. In the American League Central, I think you have three teams that probably won't get to 90 wins, and then you've got two teams that are just punting. <laughs> like the Royals are not punting. The Royals are they are they gonna players. win? Are they gonna win 70 games? Yes. You I think so? I said that last year. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, the White Sox are gonna suck. Um, and the the National League Central does not have a team like the White Sox. Like, I still think the Pirates are going to be pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, from top to bottom, it's a deeper division. I am just very high on these three teams, the Twins, the Guardians, and the Tigers. I think they're all going to be very solid teams. 
which is good for baseball. It is. Right? Last year, it felt like these two divisions were dog shit. This year, I don't think that. I think you're much higher in the National League Central than I am. I think I think so, too. But let's get back to the Jorge Polanco trade. <laughs> I was talking about how Justin Topa is a big get for the Twins, and he is. But the Mariners have proven at this point they can get rid of these guys. You already traded Paul Seawald. And, you know, did they win the trade, lose the trade? I don't know. It depends, right? We got to see what Dominic Canzone becomes, right? If he could become a, you know, a starting corner outfielder, maybe we're reconsidering whether it was, you know, worth it to trade a closer like Paul Seawald. I don't know. But they have proven that they can just keep replicating guys like this. Like Justin Topa, right, a few years ago, even in 2022, through seven innings at a four nine one, the year before that three and a third at a twenty nine point seven zero ERA. Then he comes in next year, and is one of the better relievers in the American League. They can routinely turn these guys over. So I bet for them, it was not that big of a deal to trade Justin Topa in this deal. But for the Twins to get a guy like this was incredibly impactful. That's why I viewed this as a win win. The Mariners didn't actually give up a lot in in their organization because they can turn these guys around. But the Twins did get a good package for a guy who, to your point, has played about 180 games in two seasons. Yeah. Um, it's it's just funny, man. Like, Seawald was part of the 2022 Mariners bullpen. Eric Swanson was part of the 2022 Mariners bullpen. Diego Castillo was part of the 2022 Mariners bullpen. Are you missing any of those right now? And they were all good relievers at the time. They are getting as good at bullpen development as anybody in baseball. I think the Rays are still a gold standard, but Seattle may be the silver standard. And Milwaukee should be the silver standard. And Orioles. Baltimore, yeah, silver standard. But gold is still Tampa. Real quick before we get to Xavier Scruggs, Justin Turner signs a one-year $13 million deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. They are out on the Chapman thing. That has become clear. And Turner will be the third baseman, the DH. What do you think? Probably. Um, I mean, they have Kevin Biggio right now slotted at third. I assume they're going to do maybe a platoon option, even though I think Turner is going to be in the lineup, whether he's DH or playing third. Um, But yeah, I think that position is now filled. You got Kevin Biggio, you got Justin Turner. And... When the signing went down, I saw a lot of Blue Jays fans a little bit disappointed. And I understand, right? Maybe you do want Matt Chapman back. Maybe you want like that crazy impact bat. You want the Blake Snell. You want to go higher than you've been doing. But Justin Turner is no slouch. Justin Turner last year hit 23 bombs with an 800 OPS. I know he's 39 years old, but this guy just hits and hits and hits. And yeah, he's not going to make a big impact defensively. But if you're considering, is your team better with Brandon Belt or Justin Turner? Your team is better with Justin Turner. So you have a better hitter slotted into that role. Now, you are losing Matt Chapman. So overall, the third base position, I think, decreases, but you're increasing at other positions. Justin Turner is one of the most underrated free agents on this market because everybody's passing him by because he's 39 years old. Even if he regresses, let's say 20 home runs at a 770 OPS, that's still impact, right? That's filling the Brandon Belt role and then some. 
So Justin Turner last year DH'd in 98 games for the Boston Red Sox. He played first base in 41. He played second base in 10. He made seven starts at third base. He played 57 innings at third base. Now he started 66 games at third base in 22 with the Dodgers, but this is a different Justin Turner. That was a 37-year-old Justin Turner. This is a 39-year-old Justin Turner. So the, the way that I'm kind of thinking about it now is this guy is probably just the DH, and there's going to be some assortment of, and don't forget, they gave IKF two years. Third base will be some assortment of Kevin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, Isaiah Conner-Falefa. And I, at the beginning of the offseason, I would have said like wholly downgrade, right? Going from Chapman to that. And I still think that it is a drastic downgrade, but is it worth the the price point to take on Chapman for six years when you have that option instead? I think this may be the better cost-effective option. It is the better cost-effective option, but if you're a Blue Jays fan, do you give a shit about the better cost-effective option? No, especially when they struck out on Otani. That's where I think Blue Jays fans are feeling right now. And when I said that Justin Turner, I think, can replicate or be better than Brandon Belt, Brandon Belt still had a great year last year, 859 OPS, 19 home runs. But he did only play about 102 games. So, yeah, you could even make the argument that, you know, this isn't exactly an upgrade. Can he produce similar to that? I think it's going to be relatively close. And I think the league assumes that the answer is yes, he can produce something similar to what Belt did. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still down on the Blue Jays this year. Sue me. Like I, I'm looking at this team and being like, you are worse than last year, and last year you were a first round exit. I get it. I think that they are closer to a teardown than a World Series. I firmly believe that, and I know that you're probably in the same boat. Yeah, I mean, if they're dealing with cost-effective options right now when there is a window and you got Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and all the young guys, they're here. Now you're doing cost-effective options? Those guys are going to be up somewhat soon. Uh-oh. All right. Maybe they're, saving, maybe they're saving their money for these guys. And then mm-hmm. what? Then you pay them and then what? I just, we'll see. And if you're gonna play, if you're gonna pay Vladdy, you should pay him right now. We had a good moment at the end of the Xavier Scruggs conversation with him being named the uh, cover athlete at MLB The Show. But if you are looking for the cheapest deal long term for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you should do that when his stock is at its lowest, and it's at its lowest right now. Or do you want to see one more year to make sure you even want to pay him? God, oh, no, I can't do that. If if I'm Ross Atkins, I'm giving Vladdy a deal now. What if he does the same exact thing this year? What do you do? I still give him a deal. How much? What, are you going to give him 200 million? No. Would he say yes to 120? Oh, of course not. I mean, he might. That's tough. I don't want to deal with that right now. So listen to our conversation with Xavier Scruggs instead. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, we can find you like absolutely everywhere right now, Xavier Scruggs. So, so walk me through like where we'll find you for the 2024 season. You've got uh, Bally Sports Sun. You've got MLB Network, ESPN. Where else are we going to see you? Yeah, so at Bally Sports, actually, I'm not doing that uh, moving forward. Um uh, just I love the Rays here, but it's just a situation to where um, I, I like enjoying more using more of my time covering all the teams. Right. So sure. ESPN, definitely mostly on Sunday night baseball um, before the, the pregame show, before the game. You'll see me on um, MLB Network and, and then uh, Apple Apple games are expanding here uh, Fridays as well. So. Hopefully you'll see me actually more at the park, um, especially with Apple. And then show and go, baby. Show and go with X is still going to be going on. It's it's more of a platform for me to dive in with players on the little nuances of the game, but also turning it into once the season starts, more of a streaming type thing, like getting people involved with me in, in the conversation, more engagement. Like that's what I love is like talking baseball with others, um and and maybe and maybe being able to dive into some things you don't normally see me dive into on on linear platforms let's jump into this new venture real quick sorry show and go with x because i mean you guys are doing great stuff on youtube and wherever you get your podcast too i've watched the kyle tucker one i just saw Mm. ali marmol you had on gary sheffield the stance breakdown was excellent for somebody that grew up doing that with a wiffle ball bat what are your plans kind of for the foreseeable future with show and go yeah i think just continuing to use my relationships in the game and and i i want to extend it from you know not just players but as you've seen the last one with the manager like you don't often not often we sit down with the manager for an hour and just get their personality so uh whether that be front office guys whether that be um you know umpires uh any personality within the game of baseball and hopefully continuing to expand that and figure out the little nuances and intricacies of that person's profession. Um, I think there's still so much of a world to, to cover from an older generation of baseball. Like you mentioned the Gary Sheffield to the younger generation of minor league players, prospects, um, you know, college players. I'll have nobody really knows this, but I'll have Jack Caglione coming up on the, uh, on the uh, podcast as well. So just diving into all types of personalities in the game and doing a little more than you might normally see on some other platforms. And uh, you and I and Jack and Arm and all of us have really connected because our goal is to expand the game of baseball, right? You see the NBA, you see the NFL, you see these other sports. They have more of a lane in order to talk to players and expand their personalities and brands. And we just feel like baseball is is kind of falling back in that area. But guys like you, hopefully guys like us are trying to do that. So when you look forward to the next couple of years, I see all of your social media posts. They're always awesome. You're always giving, you know, advice to players, advice to other media personalities, because you have both kind of in your back pocket. What are 2024, 2025, as you continue to do what you're already doing and killing it, what are some of those goals moving forward? Yeah, that's a great question because um, I think a lot of those goals align with you guys, right? And trying to push it forward. Um, the the main thing I think is that can still be tapped into is is the brands um, and, and how they can help the game and, and continue to and why and why I say that is if you look at a Nike, if you look at an Adidas, um, a Rawlings. 
they've always done a great job of selling to the young generation. And I think that if we're able to use those brands and I'm wearing a Franklin t-shirt right now, because for my 2024, 2025 kind of looking forward is how can I partner with brands to continue to push our game and sell our game and make it sexy and, and do all those things that those brands are already familiar with doing with their own merchandise. So how can I equate that to major league baseball? How can I equate that to minor league baseball, college baseball, amateur baseball, and push that forward? Those are some of my main goals and figuring out which brands align best with that, because I think those will be the ultimate answer because Guys can always push their own platform and, and what baseball is just still still so stuck in some old school ways that it's going to be tough for guys to continue to come out of their shells. We're starting to see it more and more guys promoting themselves and, and giving us more inside look. But ultimately, it's the brands that know how to sell something specific. And I think they can help sell baseball more as looking cool or being something more sexy for the younger generation. So I, I think one of the brands right now, and and we saw some great, you know, brand push at at Walker Bueller's golf outing was Bruce Bolt. They had Bruce Bolt mm. hats. They had the compression. Like yes. everybody seems to have like a sliding mitt or something like that. I, you, you said that, and I started thinking about the fighting necklace craze. I'm sure mm. you remember that, Peter. Yeah, like, absolutely. What was the it thing when you were playing? Was it like? In terms of, I needed to have that. Like, mom, yeah. get me this for my birthday. I need this right now. Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, man, I, I would think it, I would think it was it was like those fighting things. Like, remember they had the little wrist ones too. Like, I was mm-hmm. big on those. Um, you know, and I just I just think like when I think about my early days, I kept I keep thinking about like going from rubber cleats to metal cleats mm. and like cleats was always something for me that that transition of that metal cleat and figuring out is that going to be that Nike clipper, that staple, um, whatever it may be. That was something that I always wanted. But I, I it was almost like one of those things I, I, I couldn't have it for a while. So I like kept thinking about it. I want the the best metal cleats that you can get. So that was one of the staples for me. I remember Nike Diamond, like th- those those things stick out to me big time. For me, it was always the gloves. It was always the next glove, whether it was a Wilson A2K, whether it was a Rawlings yeah. or the Hyde. I was always into the glove, whether the next one, the catchers, because I played catcher, I played first base, did some mm. outfield pitcher. So I had all the different gloves and those were my favorite to collect. What would you say go-to glove for you? Go-to glove, man. That's See, I'm I would say right now, like I'm loving this Stilo brand. Um that that Stilo has come out with some great gloves that are are trying to get more of that culture aspect to it. Um and and they actually are really good gloves. I'm excited to see kind of what they have more in 2024. Um but I always used um, I used Wilson. I used Rawlings. Um, you know, I was I played first base, too. So like first base was important for me for the glove to have the right pocket. I remember Wilson was my favorite for that yeah. uh, playing third. I used the Rawlings. So, man, those those the gloves was huge because it was like, you know, it was going to be an expense, but it was something that you could use and break in. And, and, and guys would always be wanting to use it, too. Yeah, we're talking with Xavier Scruggs, and I do want to get into kind of the winners and losers of the offseason. And we've talked about it kind of all offseason, right? Dodgers, Dodgers, it's the Dodgers, it's the Dodgers, it's Otani and Yamamoto, and you trade for Glass now, all this good stuff. By the way, 
last now first guest on show and go uh, yes. with X. But <laughs> um, aside from the Dodgers, who has really jumped out to you this offseason in terms of, hey, you got a lot better? Yeah, I, I mean, I would have to go with the Yankees. Um, I mean, you look at it seemed like the perfect fit to go get Juan Soto when you have an opportunity to go get maybe the game's best hitter um, and pair him with Aaron Judge like you get a lot better. And then also you add an Alex Verdugo to that outfield. It seems like the outfield situation was just kind of had so many question marks surrounding it over the past couple of years. And now you pretty much solidify it, um, being able to have Soto and Verdugo as those answering points. And and Verdugo's a guy that I'm excited about because he he seemed like he needed to get out of that Red Sox situation. It seemed like he what that wasn't the best situation for him. So you get good defense, you get a guy that gets on base and doing his thing. Um, and then also I, I look at another team to me is is definitely going to be the, the obviously the Dodgers is, is has to be there. But I also look at I look at the uh, the Giants, um, them going out and signing Korean outfielder uh, Jung Ho Lee. I think that's just as important as any move that we might see moving forward. Uh I think that when you can add a superstar from another country, that's going to be big. I look at the Cubs that the, both these teams, the Cubs and the Giants still have work to do, but when you can add a guy like a Shota Imanaga and bring him over from Japan, that that's big as well. Um, so I, I look at the Yankees would be my top up there with the Dodgers. And then obviously some of these other teams falling in place as well. Well, first off, I'm glad that you mentioned the Yankees because whenever I mention the Yankees on the show, I'm looked at as a biased idiot because I am a Yankee fan, <laughs> but it's glad to see both of us on the same page. I agree. I think the Yankees have had a pretty underrated offseason. We forget they added Juan Soto, arguably the best hitter in Major League Baseball. My winner of the offseason isn't a team. How about just the international free agent class being a yeah. winner? By mm -hmm. far the largest amount of money allocated to these guys coming over. Right, We talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto getting $325 million before he's even thrown a pitch. But how about Jung-Hoo Lee, right? Yeah. Coming over from the KBO, $113 million for the KBO center fielder. You talked about Imanaga getting, what, $53 million four-year deal? How about Yariel Rodriguez, right? Mm -hmm. Shows out in the WBC and then gets a four-year deal as well. So my question for you moving forward, how do you see this international free agent class i assume we're just going to see more and more money flooded in there but i felt like this was a pretty impactful offseason because let's say yamamoto comes over struggles right yeah what if yeah. Yara, what if yariel rodriguez never turns into anything right what if jung hu lee offensively just never gets it together mm -hmm. how do you think front offices are going to then judge the international free agent class. Do you think they'll use this class as a starting point to judge future? Or do you think it's just player by player? Yeah, I think it's it's more player by player, but but obviously a class can probably have a bigger impact on the on the immediate future, right? It, guys being more careful the, the next couple of years. Um, but you look at the success of some of these guys already, right? You look at what Otani has done um, after giving some time. You look at even Kodai Senga, what he did with the Mets in his rookie season, um, and, and what we've seen with Seiya Suzuki and, and guys that have real potential, right? Um, but the one thing I also look at is like, 
we're seeing more international like success in general. Like you, you want to be able to find the best guys. And I think that's a priority of these teams. And I even look at the Dodgers, like I think their priority is like, let's make sure the Dodgers are the Mecca of where international players want to go now by giving mm -hmm. Otani, whatever the hell he wants. And then bringing over Yamamoto as well. Like we want to be that team. And I think that can be said that the same for multiple teams want to be like that. Um, but ultimately you're, tr you're trying to find the best, right? And I think we see the money thrown at these guys because of these guys, th the market was not great this year. Like the free agent market from a, from an Air American standpoint, or just us was not great as far as consistency. Think about who was at the top, like Bellinger and Snell at the top. And we still have question marks about them. So when you don't know about these guys, even Chapman can be grouped into that. You have to spend more money on the other guys. And that's kind of been the case too. I just, I just have a quick follow-up to that one. Um, the story of the off season, Xavier Scruggs, I have to ask you, right? You're on your thought process through the Otani signing, right? Yeah. He signs. First of all, it's with the Dodgers. You find out it's $700 million. <laughs> it's almost a billion. I mean, just those words put together in the same sentence is crazy then you find out it's deferred can you kind of walk me through because it's the biggest free agent signing in sports history probably it, yeah de definitely um 700 million wasn't even the realm of of what i was thinking i know most people weren't even thinking that realm either um uh, but at the same time i look at you think about these owners like think about their portfolios in general i'm, I'm talking a business sense like they've done their homework on every asset that they own and how it makes them money. So for some reason that they're going to believe that $700 million is still going to make them more than that at some point. Um, so that's the investment obviously for the Dodgers, but also I look at it too, the deferment to me made sense from a Shohei Otani standpoint, because I know I'm making the money in endorsements, but also once I'm done playing with the Dodgers, if I want to live in Japan, my money is those $68 million a year not going to be taxed by Los Angeles tax tax money. Like it's not going to be mm -hmm. California state tax there. So that also makes sense to me. And it makes sense for Otani if he really is committed to winning, how can I get the best players around me? And we saw that, right? We saw them get Yamamoto. We saw them go get Teoscar Hernandez when they're looking for an outfielder. We saw them make the trades to get glass now and be able to pay him. Um, it makes sense once you start to actually think about it a little bit, but it is astronomical. It's like, where the hell did this team even get that type of money? And are we apt to see other teams do this moving forward? So snowballing off both you guys, I think, that makes a ton of sense. And and I probably the way that the Dodgers ownership group is looking at it and the way that Andrew Friedman and the rest of the Dodgers front office is looking at it is how are we going to earn the $700 million back? And I, you guys both know it as well as anybody eyeballs equals financial gain. Like you get eyes, you get money. I saw, and I didn't think Taylor Swift was going to come up, but I saw like Taylor Swift has generated her presence around the NFL, has generated $440 million worth of social media traction for the NFL and for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
think about like cornering the Asian market on the Dodger yeah. front. They get Otani, they get Yamamoto, they get all those eyeballs, they get all those social media views that in turn generates revenue for them. So it is amazing. And I'm almost looking at it. And I think I brought this up a couple of months ago in the way that Colorado approached the Deion Sanders thing, where the AD at Colorado said, we don't have the money yet, but we know we will have it. They got right. the money because of Dion's presence. Right. And the Dodgers, it seems like they're going to get the money because of Otani's presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I look at even, you know, there's so many brand partnerships that we don't even think about. You know, yes, American-wise, we think about these brands, but think about the Japanese brands that are just as big over there that the Dodgers are going to be able to partner with now. They'll get some exclusive Otani footage of whatever content they need, whatever uh, t type of merchandising goes on in that situation. So that there's a lot that comes a, a lot a lot that comes to it that we don't even think about. Greater contract question. Um, it seems like regardless of talent in these free agent classes, the money continues to go up and up. And you mentioned this was a pretty weak American free agent class. Do you think moving forward and like loaded question asked somewhat simply, do you think moving forward, it doesn't matter what the class looks like? The money's just going to keep going. It seems like that, at least with like inflation and, and everything else right. that kind of goes on. Um, but but also, I think, you know, these teams are making that much more money with a lot of these streaming deals and uh, these TV rights and all that stuff. So I, I think with the Players Association knowing that information now and, and and the players knowing that information, I think we continue to see salaries go up and up and up and into areas and we maybe we don't expect. A player who is on the free agency market next year, Juan Soto, you already kind of mentioned him. We're talking about money just going through the roof. What do you think he's going to get? Yeah, I, I think he I think he ends up getting more than he turned down. 440 million was it that he turned down? I think he ends up getting more than that at this point. Uh, you know, he could be around 500, could be more than that. Um, at the same time, I look at... You know, he could go out there and have a monster season this year and just blow everything out of the water and, and become e even a higher paid player than we could think at this moment, too. So um, I'm excited to see what he does end up getting. But I think it will be up there around half a million dollars or half a half a billion dollars. Half a half, million. I would love take that on the Yankees. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Just take a discount. <laughs> I'm curious, X, if you have any teams that jump to mind that are kind of frustrating you this winter. And it's like, hey, why aren't you going for it to the level that we think you should? And you mentioned the Yankees yeah. and the Dodgers really going after it. San Francisco, I think Arizona and Cincinnati have really gone after it, too. But are there teams that have kind of sat idle that you're like, come on, we're running out of time. Let's get moving. Mm, de definitely. Um, I, I look at. First and foremost, um, the Mets, I, I thought that was a team that could possibly make some more moves than what they have had, what they've already made. Um, obviously, David Stearns coming over as a new president of operations. And then um, you have a new manager. Uh, you get some different things under the fold. But a New York team, like I just expect them to do so much more, especially after what we've heard uh, Cohen talking about beforehand, right? Really trying to be the, the pretty much the Dodgers of the East. Um, we didn't see them spend like that at all. So that's one of the teams. Another one of the teams has been the Boston Red Sox, of course. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, an- another another new another new GM president of operations and Craig Breslow. Um, but they've done some things that I think can kind of set up a foundation moving forward. They're just like handcuffed as far as the money goes, it seems like. Um, so it'll be interesting if they even go get more if they they still need more pitching. I, I think that's gonna be important for them. Um who else has been disappointing to me? Uh, it's been a slow offseason, too, though. So it, a lot of these teams could end up doing more than what what we could expect later on. Like the Giants could end up doing more. Um, you know, same thing with the Cubs. Like I could consider the Cubs a, a team that's like they could be have a, a, a blowout offseason if they go get Cody Bellinger and are able to add, you know, Matt Chapman as well or something like that. So we'll see. What do you what do you think about the Blue Jays offseason? I don't know whether to put them in the loser. I don't think they're in the winner category, but I, I can't really put them in the loser either, right? They just signed Justin Turner to that one-year deal. They did get Yariel Rodriguez. They brought back Kevin Kiermeyer. So they're not doing nothing, but they're also not making me excited. Right. They got duped on Otani, which, of course, isn't really Crazy. their fault. That is MLB's media's <laughs> fault. But I just don't know where to place them what are your thoughts on this offseason in Toronto? Yeah, I don't think they're done yet, too. Like, that's the case for, I think, a lot of these teams is kind of where they're still a little bit waiting and patient. Um, I don't think they're uh, they're not going after Bellinger, but they supposedly could be in on, like, Snell, too. So um, I, I, I don't think they're done. I think offensively, if they go get a J.D. Martinez, that could obviously be huge. They may not go get him because that'd be another right-handed older bat um, that they just got with Justin Turner. Um, so I, I would consider it disappointing if they don't do anything else or if they even if go get a, a Brandon Belt or something like that. I would still consider it disappointing, us, especially after expectations were like a superstar, like a uh, like a Shohei Otani at first, then a, then a Yamamoto and a Bellinger, like none of those things landed. So I would consider it a disappointing offseason if they don't get another impact piece. Yes or no question. Do you think Blake Snell is going to get two hundred million dollars? I, I don't. Um, I think it could be close with the Angels. I just i i don't yeah. i i don't think it say. will be. Like obviously the Yankees, we heard them in at what it was like closer to one sixty or something like that. So, um, I think that's where most teams will be willing to go. But the the Angels could be willing to go a lot higher than than most teams. I love the Angels take. I I just don't even know what they are. I don't even right. know if they're a real baseball team. I just <laughs> I have no idea what they even are. Well, I looked Let's... at the Angel Angels roster today, and I was kind of thinking like. X. I do the same thing every year. I do the same thing every year. I'm like, wait a minute. It's wait not, a minute. I'm it's kind not of buying bad. in. It's not bad. It's yeah, but just it ain't like good. When you, yeah, when you look at from a pitching standpoint, you don't really have an ace. And then um, and then you look over towards Texas Rangers, you look over toward the Astros, you look over toward the Mariners. Like those teams are all doing things impactful, even in the offseason, after having really good teams anyway. So it's it's just going to be tough for them. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk breakouts. Um, so in the last episode, we went over ours. Um, we'll throw a couple of hours at you quickly, right? Because we already went over it. But I'd love to pick your brain on who you think mm. is going to be a big breakout because you've been so good at this. I my big guy is Tarek Skubal this year, 
And it's not really a breakout because we know he's good. Mm -hmm. I just think he can elevate his status to potentially winning a Cy Young this season, right? He's 96 from the left side, hammer slider. He's developing that changeup, which was really good for him this year. He's got a curveball. He's got a sinker. It's just about staying healthy, and he's got the pitcher's body, right? You've been at the plate. A guy who's 6'4", 240 pounds, lefty, 96. That guy, I think, can win the Cy Young. Mm. Who is your guy? Who maybe, it's not a guy who has done nothing, and then now is going to elevate, but maybe just a guy on the brink of greatness. Dang, that's that's good. Um, I'll for I'll start with the pitcher. Is is I'm really high on Brian Bayo from from the mm-hmm. Red Sox. I think he's a guy that's got the stuff. Um, now I think it's about just mentally putting it all together. I think he ends up being the ace of this staff here, and I think he proves that this year. As long as he gets like kind of the offensive support, which they pretty much got last year, but I think he takes a huge step forward this year. So I'm excited to see kind of what he does. Another pitcher too that I was thinking about is um, Hunter Green from the Reds. I think the Reds are a team that have a lot of energy and they're a team that is looking to to move forward um, and, and kind of be a top tier team. I think he ends up kind of showing up on another level because he reminds me of, a Tristan McKenzie back in 2022. Um, we were kind of like, okay, waiting for this breakout guy. We hear he's, we know he's got the stuff. He's, he's, he hasn't quite hit it yet. I think Hunter Green ends up hitting it at this point this season. Interesting. Mm. I chose another Hunter. I, I said Hunter Brown, especially going into spring training with Justin mm-hmm. Verlander for the very first time. I like, and knowing that you're going to break camp in the same rotation as a guy that you have been tabbed as like mini Verlander, I, I think yeah. that helps drastically. The two hitters that I highlighted were were teammates in pretty similar situations. And as a former Cardinal, you may appreciate this. I think the tandem of Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn could be huge this Mm, year. Like Walker could scream 35 homers with a good start to the year. Are are there any like young hitters that you think can, can really just ball out at the beginning of the year? Yeah, um, man, I think honestly... And maybe this isn't like a breakout because we call it kind of saw him do it last year, but I think Royce Lewis is about to be a superstar in this game uh, for the twins specifically. I think as long as he's healthy, you're you're looking at extreme power. You're looking at uh, good discipline. You're looking at somebody that's kind of understood big league pitching at, at an early age. Um, so I think he does that. Another guy too that I'm excited about is, and, but I don't know quite what his role is going to be is, is uh is Christian Morell uh, over with the uh the Cubs Morell yeah. with the Cubs I think we saw him go on this streak of like seven home runs in a row I'm high on the power guys um I'm interested to see if he'll play third base if they don't end up getting a Matt Chapman um which he needs to work a little bit better defensively but I- I'm excited for what he brings to the table here in 2024 as well. So because you have such a big influence on social media, I assume you see a lot of idiots in your comment section. Actually. <laughs> of course, of is, course. <laughs> is there a player that you felt that has been kind of disrespected all offseason? I brought up one on a recent episode that Carlos Correa seems to just be falling down shortstop lists. Mm. And I'm like, guys, can we give him a second? Right. He was a little bit yeah. hurt during the regular season. Obviously did not have a good season. Right. right, but hasn't he earned it enough? And then let's say he faltered in the postseason. All right, maybe this is a little bit of a problem. Dude hit 406 
Yeah. Guys who we need to just give a second. Maybe you had a down year last year, and you're seeing in comment sections getting no respect right now. <laughs> Dang, that's a good one. Um, man, I, I wasn't prepared for this one. <laughs> um, dude. Dang. You okay, I got one. I got one. Um, you know who we've been down on is Tim Anderson. He went from being one of the best shortstops in the game to literally the worst. Um, yep. And I think that given the right opportunity, and it might be at second base, yeah. but I, I still think the Marlins could be a great fit at, at shortstop. Um, I think bounce back material opportunity to get back to hitting 300, getting on base, doing his thing, hitting for some pop. I think he needs that, that just change of scenery and like a different vibe. And I think he could be that guy. 100%. All right. Last thing for you. And this is for both of you guys. Uh, cover athlete for MLB The Show just dropped. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Immediate Ooh. thoughts. Peter, you first. I know you are. <laughs> I didn't even, hey, I didn't even know it dropped. Yeah, Did it drop it today? It just Vladimir, dropped when we were recording. Vladimir oh, wow. Guerrero Jr. put up one F4 last season, <laughs> one more than all of us. Good for him. He's back on the cover. Great. No, I mean, <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. cost me a lot of money, X. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Um, I had a prize picks entry worth uh, a lot of money, and he did not hit his hits prop, which ruined it for me. Mm -hmm. um, I watched him all season long tracking this, and I thought his approach at the plate was terrible, just to be completely frank with you. Um, he's too talented of a player to go up and swing first pitch at a, at a slider low and away and ground out. Right. The amount of ground outs I see this guy do is unbelievable. Now, of course, I still believe in the talent. It's a bat that almost won the triple crown when he was 21 years old or something like that. Yeah. I realize the talent. And yeah, he's awesome. I do like him. When I was watching him with the world in the home run derby, I was fired up. All right. I do still like him, <laughs> but I have my issues with him. Yeah, I dude, do. Don't sound like you like him. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. This is a big season for him. This is a big season. What yes. do you think he's going to do this year? Ah, man, I, I'm hoping he breaks out, man. I, I just like, I think we just got, I, I think we got spoiled early on with him. Um, and I feel like he just came out the gates just like an animal, right? And I don't know if, I don't know if that's really him, honestly. Like, I don't know if because of, because of what you mentioned about the plate discipline. Like, I don't, if he gets back to being extremely patient, then we could see more of that. But I just been seeing him be so aggressive, like trying to do too much. Um, I, I just don't, I don't know if he's really the MV player, VP player that we should expect to see. Now, if he, if he gets back to that or gets back to so, doing those things, then okay, I understand, but I'm not going to put that type of pressure on him, but we did see it early and it looked like it was sustainable and we just haven't seen it the same way. Um, so, I, I like the Guerrero pick because I think he's an exciting player. Super. But I'm more I'm more on the on the side of let's get a player that can do everything. Like a and a, a, a really athletic player that can play deep great defense, can play um, you know, on the offensive side. We're always seeing him smile, having a good time. He's making plays all over the field, maybe stealing bases. Um Man, I need I needed Ronald Acuna Jr. Am I describing Ronald Acuna Jr.? I think yeah, you like are. Or, T or TJ Friedel. <laughs> or TJ Friedel. Yeah, TJ Friedel. <laughs> TJ Friedel, though. I'm not trying to make I, I heard people of say Mookie, I heard people saying it's Mookie's time. Like, 
Uh, that could have been a great one too. Yeah. Could have. Oswald but Peraza? Peraza for sure. Yeah. Esteri Ruiz. That guy's yes. bags. That yeah. could have been a choice. That Geloff? <laughs> yeah. X, oh, you are the man. Thank you as always. It is uh, always a good time chopping it up with you in the offseason. Hey, I appreciate you guys, man. Yeah. Always fun. This is great. Love having him on because the smile is infectious. Like when he starts smiling and when he starts laughing, it's like, okay, yeah, we're loose. Let's start firing. This is great. Always a good time with him in the offseason. And I'm sure we'll get him on a couple times during the season too. Oh, yeah. Love Scruggs. Gotta Easy. go follow him on Twitter. We will link that in the episode description. It's just a great mind to just bounce ideas off of. Um, definitely go follow him. Utility. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. Top five utility players in Major League Baseball. Why not us? Why not us? Of course, we have two honorable mentions. Our two honorable mentions are on the West Coast. Jake Cronenworth with the San Diego Padres and Brandon Drury with the LA Angels. Cronenworth, obviously not worth the $80 million contract that he got this past year. He's way too talented to be left off of an honorable mention list. Yes, he had the worst year of his career, but... I mean, this guy is a freak defender at really any spot you put him. He's been playing a lot on the right side of the infield, and he is damn good over there. And the bat probably can't be worse than it was in 2023. Also, if you want to follow along, great article written by Lyle Goldstein um, that we're kind of working off of. What we did is we had six people rank. You and I were on the judging committee and we took aggregate scores and we ranked them accordingly. So it took the debate out of it uh, and it just went to the formula. So our our six and seven were Jake Cronenworth and Brandon Drury. And I think Jake Cronenworth will be better with the bat last season. I agree with you. It couldn't have been any worse, right? Yeah. 690 OPS, 10 home runs. That's just not enough, especially from a guy like Jake Cronenworth where the utility spot plays a lot of first base. You cannot get that offensive production. However, I'm not willing to just push aside the Padre season and give everybody a pass. But at the same time, I'm bringing that similar mentality that I did. Remember when the Mets had that weirdly bad season? I think it was 2021 or it was one of those type seasons. And then the next year, they kind of all bounced back. Yeah. Sometimes a team like the Cardinals this year, who I'm again high on again. It's just one of those shit seasons. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys suffer from this. The clubhouse was obviously not right. Cronenworth is more talented than this, right? 2021, 2022, we're looking at a guy who put up a four-win season. So based on last year, he probably would have plummeted. We might not have talked about him at all, but we respect the talent enough and we know it's there that he has to be an honorable mention. But so many other young guys took such a step forward that we can't rank Cronenworth because we're banking on a bounce back when he literally showed us nothing offensively last year. Yeah. Brandon Drury, kind of the other flip of the coin. Drury had 26 homers, had a 115 WRC plus, and put up a two and a half win season with LA after he signed a two year deal off of his quote unquote breakout season with Cincinnati. Question was, can he do it away from Great American Ballpark? Last year, the answer was an emphatic yes. Can this guy play shortstop? No. Is he an elite defender? No. Can he play first base? Can he dabble at second base? Can he hop in at third? Yeah. And he can hit. And that's what the Angels paid him to do. And I expect him to hit again this year. So when I rank these guys, 
Um, obviously defense matters for a utility guy. And he was arguably the worst defender on this list. So I thought to myself, all right, I'm really high on Wilmer Flores, who we're going to talk about. I would prefer his bat to Brandon Drury's. And when I watch Brandon Drury, I personally think that while he can be a utility player, right? We talked about Chris Bryant a lot, right? He can play these positions, but should he, right? And when I look at Brandon Drury, I look at a negative defender at pretty much every position, but he's athletic enough to at least plug him in there. And the Angels, like, they don't have much, right? So they have to plug him in a bunch of different positions. That's how I view Brandon Drury. He's a good bat to have in the lineup, but I don't really know where to place him. So that's why he fell lower on my list because I look at a Wilmer Flores who's bad. I greatly prefer, and he can at least be better defensively. I think than Drury can around the infield. Yeah. All right. You rip off odds. I rip off evens. Let's do it. So at number five, Tommy Edmond of the St. Louis Cardinals coming off a down offensive year, 92 WRC plus about 8% below league average, but He's still an all-world defender, and he still hit 13 bombs, stole 27 bags, and put up a 2.3 F4. Me, personally, I ranked him fifth. I'm always higher on Tommy Edmond because I always believe there's more in the tank offensively, but he really let me down last year. That's why, again, I ranked him fifth. But he is probably the best defender on this list. Arguably, of course, there is Brandon Donovan, who wins utility goal gloves. But I still think Tommy Edmond, the fact that he could play short, he could play second, and he could play center, all at elite levels, has to have him on this list, kind of regardless if he hits or not. And he did put up 13 home runs and 27 bags. Well, and he can play short and center at an elite level. Like one defensive run, say four outs above average at shortstop, you you jump him into center, that's two DRS and six outs above average. It's like he's top flight. What was weird to me was he technically graded out as a poor defender at second base when he was a great defender at shortstop. It doesn't make sense. Eye test tells me that this guy is an elite defender wherever you put him, and I love that. I'm with you. I've always expected more offensive production from Tommy Edmond than we've gotten, but I will say this guy playing a very high level wherever you put him defensively to go along with as efficient a base stealer as we've got in Major League Baseball, sign me up eight days a week. This guy's last three years, 30 for 35 in the stolen base department in 2021, 32 for 35 in 2022, 27 for 31 in 2023. That's amazing. He's been caught 12 times in the last three years. He picks his spots. He's going to swipe about 30 bags every year, and he's going to play a high level of defense, whether it's in center, whether it's at short, whether it's at second. And with Donovan and Gorman at second base, with Wynn at shortstop, I think Tommy Edmonds going to be the opening day center fielder in St. Louis. I could totally see that. Totally see that. I mean, I I still like Tommy Edmond. I ranked him pretty high on the shortstop list last year, and now he's more of a utility player. Kind of whiffed on that one. I just I believe that it's such a safe profile defensively that he if he can be an average hitter, he's going to put up he's going to rack up the WAR totals, which I think matters to me. But five, I think, is a fine spot for him. Yeah. Number four is Wilmer Flores with the San Francisco Giants. And this is a different type of utility player. He's not Tommy Edmond defensively. He's not Brendan Donovan defensively. What this guy is, is a really solid first baseman. Six defensive runs saved at first base, one out above average at first base. He played a little bit of second base. He played some third base. He wasn't that good defensively. 
But what he did give the San Francisco Giants in its age 31 season was a 284 clip with 23 homers, and he was a two and a half win player. He's still bringing the thump, and he might have been one of the forgotten men in San Francisco. You almost forget that Wilmer Flores is like still playing ball and like is still playing pretty much every day. This guy had 450 plate appearances a year ago. And, and I'm going to take him as a first base DH and hop at third in a pinch and, and be a corner masher. And I think he mashes. And that's why I ranked him really high on my list, right? We're looking at a guy in 2019. I know it wasn't a large sample, 848 OPS, 2020 shortened season, 830 OPS. 2021, 782 OPS, down 2022, no doubt about it, 710, but then hops right back up to an 864 OPS. 45 extra base hits, does not strike out much, right? One of the lower strikeout rates, 93rd percentile, does not whiff, just gives you a good at-bat every single day. And that's why I prefer him to Brandon Drury. I think the bat is a much better bat and... Is the defense all that different? I would say no. no. I ranked him really high because I do believe in the bat. I just see a consistent good AB every single time I turn on a Giants game. And he hits third, right? There's a reason. He's in that lineup. He's hitting right in the thick of it. Wilmer Flores is a good-ass player. I like him. He and Lamont Wade, man. The yeah. middle of the order yeah. mashers in San Francisco. Yeah. That's not my best point I've ever made, I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> just him hitting third in the Giants lineup. But he's hitting third. Brandon Drury wouldn't hit third. He's hitting third. Ah, he probably would. Not he's, on the Giants. <laughs> he's hitting third on a Major League Baseball team. That is a fair point. Problem is, this team lacks offense. production. I understand. I yeah. understand. You know, it's not the most offensively inclined group, but 864 OPS. And this is this is no fluke. He's done this before. And I think that's what I think a lot of people didn't really understand about Wilmer is that this wasn't just kind of out of the blue. He's been yeah. around an 800 OPS for the last five seasons. That's the thing. That's and, and and Drury's only done it for the last two seasons. So edge, Wilmer Flores. Before you get into number three, I just want to say that I tried so hard to spin zone my way into putting him at number one in my rankings, but I couldn't do it. So he was at three for me. I think he was at three for you. He was at three for me. And number three on our top five utility players list is Brandon Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, he's only still 26 years old, right? Last season, age 25, but he just wasn't that healthy. Still hit, though, 118 WRC plus 2.1 F4. Still hit 11 home runs, hit at a 284 clip. And that's why I ranked him third, right? You and I did. Now, a couple other people on our rankings ranked him a little bit lower because he weirdly didn't grade out as a good defender at really any position. At first base, negative four outs above average. At second base, negative four defensive runs saved. Third base, negative one defensive runs saved. He just had a weirdly bad defensive season. But again, do we believe that? No, we know he's a great defender. Here's my thing about Brendan Donovan, and here's why I will push the agenda again in 2024. I was pushing it so hard going into 23, and I don't think it fell flat on my face because he did put up a two-win season. He logged time and, like, legitimate time at first base, second base, shortstop, third base, left field, and right field. He played everywhere but center and catcher, and he didn't pitch. 
he is the definition of a Swiss army knife defensively. And man, like he makes boring sexy. I'm in again on Brendan Donovan. I mean, he was just injured, right? Still put up a 118 WRC plus still getting on base at a really high clip, right? It's not the, maybe the 400 that we may be used to, right? 422 in 2022, but it's still 365. Just the power wasn't there. And obviously, or at least what it seems by the numbers that some of the injuries that held him out of games certainly were kind of when he was playing. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass, but it still wasn't even that bad of a season. That's why he's at number three and a comfortable number three. Yeah. Number two finished sixth in NL Rookie of the Year voting. And it's Spencer Steer of the Cincinnati Reds, who was putting together an all-star caliber first half. He did not make the all-star team. Bullshit. You are still adamant that he is an all-star. Is Before an all-star. I give you the offensive numbers on Steer, he doesn't grade out as good defensively. Okay, but much like Donovan, he started 53 games at first base, 42 games at third base, 13 games at second base, 36 games in left field, and two games in right field. Oh, by the way, he DH'd six times too. But Steer, like he's playing everywhere. And last year, he hit 271 with an 820 OPS. He had 23 homers. He drove an 86. He had 37 doubles. And he was 15 for 18 in the stolen base department. This guy is one of the best hitting utility players in baseball. He's the best utility player in baseball, and this list is fraudulent. For you, you were the only one. You were the only one that had him one. Everybody else had him two, except Leo Morgenstern, who like didn't rank him, which was weird. <laughs> yeah, Leo, <laughs> Leo had him not ranked. <laughs> not Just ranked. Hates him. Hates him. <laughs> I had him number one Reds fans. I see it. You see it. Everyone with a brain sees it. Now, a couple of my colleagues, lack of brain. Happens, right? They're not turned on the game. They don't see what you and I see. This guy can mash, and he's going to keep mashing. And I love how you mentioned the stolen base department. People forget. Wheels. 15 bags, 23 bombs. I think that's only going to increase next season. And he's only going to continue to get better defensively because he's a ball player. He's a ball player, Jack McMullen, and he should be number one. Over this guy who's been number one for like 40 years, it feels like. And just every other year, he's good offensively. Can we stop? Can we put Spencer Steer at number one? He's due. He, like you said every other year, it's even your voodoo. Who's number one? Number one utility player in Major League Baseball is Jeff McNeil of the New York Mets. Jeff McNeil, 2.6 F4, 100 WRC plus league average, 10 bombs, 10 steals. And he was a negative defender at second base. Positive defender in right field. Um, weirdly, I, he's a better defender than what he showed. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, he's due. Put Spencer Steer number one. I see Jeff so, McNeil. I go up to City Field 30 times a year and I watch Jeff McNeil. He ain't here, Steer. He just ain't. Here's how the voting broke down. I had Jeff McNeil in the one spot. Arm Layton had Jeff McNeil in the one spot. Casuals, Ryan, all Ryan, of them. Ryan Finkelstein, our managing editor, had Jeff McNeil in the one spot. Oh, you mean the Mets fan had, number, had Jeff McNeil <laughs> number one? Leo Morgenstern, uh, our other editor, had him at number one. Colby Olsen had him at number one, and Peter Apple had him at number four. (laughs) Four. He's not that good. He's okay. Do you know what his K rate was last year? 
Yeah, like down here. I don't know if he struck out once. It was 10%. He had a 10% K rate. And you know what? He also had 10 home runs and 10 steals and a 100 WRC+. plus. He was literally average and was a fine defender. Okay. Not great. But he's a year removed from the batting title. He's a year removed from hitting 326. Who gives a fuck? It's I mean, a lot of people. Title, I mean, who cares? You're Obviously, batting me. average is year over year. Would You're I rather me. my guy steal more bases, hit more home runs, and just be a better hitter by a good margin? Or would I rather the safe option? You know what? You probably love vanilla ice cream. If you like Jeff McNeil, you probably love buttered Wonder Bread toast for breakfast. And you probably think eggs are spicy if you like Jeff McNeil. I like hot sauce. I like jalapenos. That's Spencer Steer. Do you just want to plug the merch now? (laughs) No, I want to continue this. Um, I rank Jeff McNeil fourth, and I stand by it. Jeff McNeil had 94 starts at second base. He had 31 starts in right, 24 starts in left. He will probably bounce around a good bit this year. He will not be the everyday second baseman, it seems, especially moving forward with Lindor locked up and Luis Angel Acuna making his way through. You think that McNeil is just kind of going to fill in wherever he's needed. Um, especially with Nimmo being there, Harrison Bader probably going to play center field a good bit too. Um, yeah, your number one utility guy might come off the bench. I just because don't he's think so. Three seventy eight. I think he's going to be a super utility, much like Spencer Steer. <sighs> Eggs Fine. are really spicy, man. They are spicy for Eggs you. Are and so Leo. Colby's like, ow, my tongue. I love Jeff McNeil. Cholesterol. Colby's having (laughs) cholesterol issues with the eggs. (laughs) Hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode. We started with the utility just to give you guys a taste. Just a taste. We got so many more to go to. We got DHs, pitchers, relievers, corner outfielders, center fielders, and every position around the infield. We're going to rank them all here on the Just Baseball Show. So stick around. And if you have been enjoying the episode, make sure to rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please and leave a written review if you would be so kind. Really genuinely helps out the show. We really would appreciate it. Go ahead. One more thing. Our just basketball guys, Brendan Clean, Chris Manning, are doing an amazing job right now covering the trade deadline with the Just Basketball show. If you are a hoop head, if you are getting interested in the NBA and the trade deadline, where is your favorite player on your favorite bad team going? Go check out the Just Basketball show. Pretty please. Link to their uh, Spotify page is in our episode description. No doubt about it. Go check that out. As well as if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that big red subscribe button. It's free. Come on. We have tons of videos coming up, including the biggest bet of my life video. And I also ranked expansion teams. And Jack and Arm are coming out with more standalone videos as well as our managing editor, Ryan Finkelstein. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page. It's a banger of a page. People are calling it the greatest YouTube page of all time. Not me, but people. Not me, people. So go subscribe. And get your Just Baseball merch in the episode description as well. That's Jack McMullen. I'm Peter Apple. We will be back on Friday. And with that, thank you, everybody. Mr. Beast clears. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.